Good afternoon, everyone. Oh, we can do a little better than that. It's a beautiful afternoon. Good afternoon. Now I know you're here and present and alive. That's great. And I'm going to do this also. Bienvenue. Bienvenidos. And welcome to the Rothko Chapel for the 2017 Oscar Romero Award. In the spirit of the founders of John and Dominique de Manil, artist Mark Rothko, and all who contributed so generously to the development of this sacred space, the Rothko Chapel makes visible the interrelated and transformative power of art, spirituality, and human rights. We are dedicated to a more peaceful, equitable, and just world, beginning with the practice of radical hospitality that makes clear all are welcome in this sanctuary. You honor us here this afternoon with your presence. And by being here today, you make absolutely clear that human rights still matter in Houston, as well as throughout the world. Named after Oscar, Archbishop Oscar Romero, who was assassinated 37 years ago, this award honors human rights activists like Oscar Romero, who challenged the inequities in the world. Like Archbishop Romero, the 2017 Oscar Romero honorees support and give voice to the poor and marginalized and inspire generations of activists who work diligently toward a world where violence, poverty, and injustice are no more. Now, with this as a little background, today's award ceremony is the culmination of the criminal justice reform efforts the chapel initiated with the 2017 Spring Symposium, an act of justice undoing the legacy of mass incarceration. This was followed this, pro this fall by three other important programs, music and art, and a continued conversation about ending mass incarceration here at the chapel, silencing opposition, human rights violation in Burundi, and then this past week, double jeopardy, women and the criminal justice system. Collectively, all these programs increased our knowledge about the criminal justice system, as well as the individual and impact of mass incarceration and how we can be engaged as individuals and collectively at key reform efforts to dismantle such a repressive system. These programs also helped us to better understand the context within which the 2017 Oscar Romero awardees, Pierre Clave Monipa and Catherine Griffin Grignon, practice their vocations. Ultimately, it is the hope that through the Oscar Romero Award, we are able to help support the work of these tenacious and hope-filled activists and find ways that we can better work together. For the efforts towards peace and justice are always more impactful when we work together than when we work alone. Now, the development and the support of a major undertaking like this involved a lot of people and organizations. So it's my pleasure this afternoon to recognize many of the contributors to our work uh, this afternoon. I first want to lift up 
Tony Tate. Where is Tony? Can we get a Tony Tate right here? And his, yeah, applaud first, and then I'll tell you why. <laughs> Tony. Tony and his colleagues for the Global Fund for Human Rights were very helpful in helping us to better understand and help discover Monsieur Claver and Bonipa, and also to help us better understand the global context of the conflict in the larger region of East Africa. Throughout the years, they've also been very helpful in supporting the Oscar Romero Award and being uh, giving really their expertise and guidance as we develop this uh, magnificent and impactful program. So Tony, thank you for being here on behalf of the fund. In your program are also a list of patrons and supporters who gave generously of their time and their financial talent to make sure that we would have a good series of programming. Can we lift them up and with a round of applause, thank all of you for all that you've done. More close to home, I want to lift up uh, Joyce Salhu. Joyce is right here, the chair of our program committee. Joyce, thank you. And uh, all the members of the program committee and then the award uh, committee selection committee that helped uh, get today's awardees here at the Rothko Chapel. I also want to lift up my colleague, Ashley Clemmer, who is over here. <laughs> Ashley is our um, director of programs and community engagement. And she, her assistant, uh, Kelly uh, Johnson, where is Kelly? In back. So there's a good team that helps lead uh, the efforts on the program front. And I also would be remiss if I didn't lift up all the board of the Rothko Chapel, the board of directors, the chapel advisors, the staff, and all the volunteers, many who you'll see today, our guild program that helps uh, do extend the reach of the chapel, but are here helping with the logistics for programs. So let's give them all a big thank you for their work. And finally, I want to lift up the services of MasterWord Services, uh, who are providing today the uh, translation services for uh, this, this afternoon's event. And um, our two uh, interpreters, Alfredo Vargas and Dana Havel, who are right here. So thank you all very much for that. Now, I have two requests, please, and this is standard operating procedure for the Rothko Chapel. So first of all, how many of you are here for the first time? Could you raise your hand? Okay, now I want everybody else to look around because these are new friends. This is new part of the Rothko Chapel community. And if you were to turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, what are the two things that you're not supposed to do in the chapel? Here's what they would say. Silence your cell phones and no pictures, please. And I know in this world of high technology, this is gonna be challenging, but we do two things, we record today's program, and we also take photos. So you can, we'll, we'll make an announcement, they'll be on the web and you can draw them down. But what I think this is really important for us in a world where technology so dictates what we do and that always checking things, for this moment over the next hour and a half, by practicing this bit of um, meditative uh, exercise, I think what you'll find, you'll be more attentive and more aware of your neighbors around you and also be more involved with the program today. So we ask you to please uh, honor these, uh, the rules of the chapel. Thank you very much. Now, it's my pleasure to introduce a good friend of the chapel, the Reverend, Reverend Hannah E. Atkins, who will deliver this afternoon's invocation. 
Reverend Atkins is the rector at Trinity Episcopal Church, just south of downtown on Main Street, um, and uh, who is just that amazing parish that does all kinds of things for the good of this city and this community. In addition to her theological studies at General Theological Seminary in New York City, city Hannah also studied theology at Universidad Centroamericana Jose Simon Canas in El Salvador. She serves as the director of the Theological and Christian Education in the Diocese of the Episcopal Anglican Church of El Salvador, served in senior pastoral leadership positions in parishes in San Salvador, San Martin, and Amatepec, Soyapango. The Reverend Atkins is also married to Elmer Romero, a Salvadorian who worked with and spent time and studied under Archbishop Oscar Romero. So they bring very first-hand uh, commitment and perspectives on the life, ministry, and living legacy of Archbishop Oscar Romero. Reverend Atkins. It is my pleasure to be here once again to support this uh, important and amazing uh, work to remember the legacy of Archbishop uh, Oscar Anulfo Romero. An invocation is a uh, time to remind people that we are in uh, the honor of the, uh, in the presence of the sacred, that we honor each other in human dignity by calling on um, the God of life, the God of grace, the God of dignity to be with us. We do this in the spirit of Archbishop Romero today and in the spirit of the honorees who bring a sense, a profound sense of the dignity of every human being. Um, so today, I want to, I wish I spoke French, but um, I do speak Spanish and I want to um, set up that spirit that we are in a sacred space with each other um, by reading um, a poem from a Salvadoran poet, very short, and ending with a prayer that I hope is very familiar to all of you. Yo como tú, amo el amor, la vida, el dulce encanto de las cosas, el paisaje celeste de los días de enero. También mi sangre bulle y río por los ojos que han conocido el brote de las lágrimas. Creo que el mundo es bello, que la poesía es como el pan de todos, y que mis venas no terminan en mí, sino en la sangre unánime de los que luchan por la vida, el amor, las cosas, el paisaje y el pan, la poesía de todos. In English, like you, I love love, life, the sweet smell of things, the sky blue landscape of January days. And my blood boils up, and I laugh through eyes that have known the buds of tears. I believe the world is beautiful, and that poetry, like bread, is for everyone. And that my veins don't end in me, but in the unanimous blood of those who struggle for life, love, little things, landscape and bread, the poetry of everyone. Let us pray. 
God, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Now, before I introduce our keynote speaker, we have another word from a champion of justice and a good friend of the Rothko Chapel, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. Congresswoman Lee has served as a representative from Houston in the House of Representatives from the 18th Congressional District since 1995. She has been a leading voice for criminal justice reform and humane, just, and progressive policies as it relates to U.S. foreign policy in Africa. With no further ado, Congresswoman Lee. As I walked in, David said to me, take a deep breath. He probably knew that I had flown in and was making uh, my way here to be timely. I thank you for that. I did take a deep breath, and what I sensed was peace and a belief in peace. And so I am privileged, albeit very briefly, to acknowledge the champions that are in this room. Thank you, David Leslie, for your leadership. Thank you to the prayer for making us instruments of that peace. Thank you to the chairman of the board, the namesake, Mr. Rothkow. Thank you so very much for all that you have done in this place. And certainly, I want to acknowledge uh, Allison Leland. And I said to her that if Mickey had lived, he would be here today. My friend, Rodney Ellis, and I have seen uh, many opportunities to collaborate, uh, but he knows how much I admire uh, his recognition of a broken criminal justice system. And now that I serve as a ranking member on the Criminal Justice Committee, I've indicated to the Judiciary Committee as the first woman, you'll never take this position away from me. And I look forward to collaborating with now Commissioner Ellis for the many journeys that we want to continue on uh, that should be codified, that should not be stopped, that should be followed from mandatory minimums elimination uh, to the reform of the prison system, to the reform of the juvenile justice system. We want peace and certainly for human rights. And so, Sissy Farenthal, this is a very important afternoon for Oscar Romaro continues to be honored by those of which his award is given to. His legacy will be 
a part of the life of the two honorees today. And as I close my remarks, let me say that Dr. King has always made us aware that evil is amongst us. But if I may paraphrase him, it is worsened by good people doing nothing. This chapel is a standard bearer for good people doing good things and being able to establish the standards of peace. And so I'm delighted to see Catherine and Jose Grignan, and we expect for you to tell this story on air. <laughs> I'm delighted someone's clapping in the back. They said. <laughs> and Monsieur, I do know a little French, but I will not venture for it may be too rusty, but I am delighted, Monsieur, uh, to welcome you, Pierre Claver Umbunani. I'm going to get it as best I can um, to thank you for your work and to acknowledge to you that I know Burundi and I know your courage and I know that the stand you take will be one that there will be those who will gravitate to keep you working and standing and surviving, for you are fighting for justice. Finally, to Catherine, who now works for distinguished constable, Mr. Rosen, who knows well that it is important to save lives. Been there, done that, is something embedded in my heart. And I'm so grateful that everywhere you go, you're the standard bearer against sex trafficking, human trafficking, but more importantly, in restoring the lives of my friends, yes, prostitutes, who we now understand are victims. And for that, we are eternally grateful. I close. Uh, to know that you'll be receiving a greater award but I do have a congressional acknowledgement of both of you, Monsieur Peter, uh, as well as Pierre, as well as uh, Madam Catherine. And I'll be delighted to present these to you. May God continue to bless all of you in a nation that is filled with divisiveness and ripples and mountains and valleys. Let us never give up on the good standard of what is right and just and fair. Thank you all very much. It's now my pleasure to introduce this afternoon's keynote speaker, Commissioner Rodney Ellis. Commissioner Ellis was born and raised in Houston's Sunnyside neighborhood, attended the Texas public school system grade school through law school, 
On November 8, 2016, he was elected Harris County Commissioner for Precinct 1, which serves approximately 1.1 million people. Previously, he represented a Houston district in the Texas Senate for more than 25 years, earning widespread praise as a leader on economic development, education, civil rights, budget issues, responsible environmental policy, tax cuts for the middle class, and criminal justice reform. He also has been a champion, and sometimes on the commissioner's court, a lone voice, I understand, for bail bond, bail reform here in Harris County, which is a major topic of our work this, at the Spring Symposium. Following Commissioner Ellis's remarks, Christopher Rothko, the chairman of our board, a good friend of everyone that he meets, uh, son of the painter Mark Rothko, and somebody who has really kept alive the family's legacy and tradition here in the Rothko Chapel in Houston as many commuting trips back and forth from New York City. Uh, I think you're honorary Houstonian. I'm wondering, Commissioner, if that's something we could get him a, get him a certificate to, to really have him here in our city as uh, one of us, because he sure spends a lot of time here. But uh, Christopher Rothko will present the awards following Commissioner Ellers, Ellis's uh, remarks. So with uh, no further ado, I would like to invite to the podium Commissioner Rodney Ellis. Bonjour, madame, mademoiselle, monsieur, comment vas-tu? I did take French uh, in what was called junior high school and high school. Uh, at the time, it was considered the international language, and I always hoped that I would travel and see the world beyond the segregated neighborhood I grew up in. So I was aware of the significance of the Hispanic population in Houston and in Texas, even back then. Uh, but I knew I wanted to see the world, uh, so I studied French. I will admit, I was a pretty good student, other than in French. <laughs> And for, I guess, I remember getting that D and they called me into the principal's office to tell me that, you know, if you keep this up, you, you won't be in the top uh, of your class because this one class is pulling you down. So I explained to the principal, if I ever have enough money to make it to a French-speaking country, if I ever get to Paris and I cannot afford an interpreter, I probably didn't have any business being there anyway. <laughs> so maybe, um, Seven years, six years after I finished Worthing High School, I ended up in France. Some of y'all remember that book, uh, Fromer, How to Tour Europe on $10 a Day. Uh, I was not poor, I was poor. And I did it on about $8 a day, and I, I remember running out of money. I'd gone to Rome, and I was working my way back, and so I'm broke. You know, no credit card is over. And so I was trying to remember those dialogues. And so I would stop people and I'd, I could remember the dialogue would say, do donc où est la bibliothèque? Say there, where's the, where's the library? But I couldn't remember the word for a train station. So, and the Parisians in particular are so proud of that language. You know, I maybe stopped 10 people asking, 
de-donk-u-e-la, trying to think of the word, and finally I just said, you know, I'm gonna just use what I learned in the ghetto. U-e-la, choo-choo. <laughs> and I will never forget this beautiful Parisian couple that said, you stupid American. <laughs> The train station is two blocks to the left, one block to the right. But uh, I, I, I want to thank all of you all for being here today. Uh, I want to thank David Leslie and the Rothko Chapel Board and staff and both of the Oscar Romero Award recipients. Pierre Clave uh, Mboipa. I get it? Was I close? Mboipa. Uh, and Catherine Griffin uh, Grignon. First time I got that right. They spelled it phonetically for me. The Rothko Chapel has been uh, a, has a long nexus for civil rights, social justice, art, and humanitarianism. My own history and attendance here today is connected to the space through my friend and mentor, Mickey Leland. Uh, I uh, Knew Mickey even before he was a great humanitarian, but in the truest sense of the word, we always knew he would be a citizen of the world. But what some people may not know is that the Rothko Chapel's founders, John and Dominique DeMonel, as well as the Rothko family, played a pivotal role in Mickey Leland's success, uh, and they loved him very much and treated him like family. The Monells, the DeMonels recognized that they could best support the movement for racial equality and civil rights in Houston by supporting its young leaders. So Allison Leland, who I called to give me some ideas on preparing my remarks, told me that Mickey told her that the Demonels called the president of Texas Southern University and asked, who is the brightest student on your campus that we ought to take under our wing and mentor? The answer was very easy. It was Mickey Leland. The Demonels opened doors for a great man to walk through. They made it possible and financed his first trip to Africa. He ended up changing the world and he also changed my life. His passion for social justice, economic equality, and human rights inspired my own public service and passion for criminal justice reform. It's especially important to be here today and help honor the recipients of the Oscar Romero Award and the outstanding human rights work and advocacy being done around prisoners' rights and support for prison reform and mass incarceration. Human rights are considered fundamental to human existence. They transcend borders and they transcend prison walls. These are rights that no government can legitimately strip away or deny. They are bound to our own humanity. But the constitutional rights that help set global standards are being violated right here in our hometown due to racial discrimination, social inequality, injustice, and poverty. The United States has one of the highest incarceration rates in the world. We account for 4.4% of the global population on this planet. Yet 22% of the prison population on the planet is in the United States. African Americans are five times more likely to be incarcerated than whites. 
and we're losing generations of both black men, of young black men, to our prison systems and jails. The majority of people behind bars are there because of the war on drugs. But despite the fact that white people use illicit drugs at roughly the same rate as African-Americans and Latinos, they are not arrested, convicted, or incarcerated at the same rate. Latinos and African-Americans comprise 56% of the prison population, and only 32% of the general population in America. In Harris County, we have one of the worst records in this regard. Harris County is one of the worst offenders in this regard. In Harris County, we have one of the highest incarceration rates in this country for urban counties. And it disproportionately impacts poor minorities. I want to state that again. One of the few times that PolitiFact has ever had to retract a statement, Councilman Rosen, was when I made the comment that Harris County has one of the highest incarceration rates in the country. So somebody went and ran the numbers. Now when you say some of, even in a segregated high school, when I say some of, I define the sum, not somebody wanting to question what I say. Now you could go compare our incarceration rates to some county with 500 people, all of them look alike, all of them have good lawyers, all of them rich, they have pretty low incarceration rate. But when you talk about urban counties, which is what I was making reference to, can you imagine somebody challenge that? And PolitiFact didn't do the research, so they said my statement was mostly false. My bright staff wouldn't let it go. I'm told it's one of the few times PolitiFact, once we gave them the data, had to back up and correct their statement. Our county's cash bail system is driving the high rate of mass incarceration in the third largest county in America. Nearly 75% of the people jailed in Harris County have not been convicted of a crime. 75% of the people sitting in the jail right now have not been convicted of a crime. They are there because they are too poor to post bail for a misdemeanor offense. I want to put a face on that for you. Sandra Bland, right up the road, not Harris County, Waller County. She encountered an officer. The best way I can describe it is he was having a bad day. Can you imagine somebody pulls you over, siren going off behind you because you didn't turn the blinker on? I didn't know that was a crime. If you didn't turn the blinker on, sirens behind you, you ought to get the heck out of the way. And that escalated, as you know. Sandra Bland did not have $500 in cash. Worst time to get arrested is on a Friday, a Saturday, or today. Because it's just more difficult to get out. You don't write a check. They don't take credit cards. They don't take welfare stamps. They don't take your signature. You have to have cash. She did not have $500 in cash. Now juxtapose that with infamous case you heard about, Mr. Durst, since up until a few days ago, I chaired the Board of the Innocence Project out of New York for 14 years. So I believe people are innocent until proven guilty. 
but he was accused, Mr. Durst, of chopping somebody's head off and throwing it in the Gulf of Mexico. He was accused of it. They said his bail at 300 and some odd thousand, you give 10% in cash, he got out, he skied up on a private plane, they found him sometime later in California, possibly about to be accused of chopping somebody else's head off. Now what was the difference between Mr. Durst and Sandra Bland? He had the cash. And he had a good lawyer. He had my neighbor, Mr. DeGarrett, who's a great lawyer. In fact, when it happened, my wife told me, if you keep messing with me, I'm gonna chop your head off, throw it in the pool. I'm gonna go across the street and get DeGarrett to represent me, I'm gonna get off. We ought to not have a system in this country or anywhere in the world where somebody's income determines if they're innocent. That's just not right. not right and we are better than that. Our two-tier justice system favors wealthy defendants, allowed them to pay to walk away, and punishing poor defendants, mostly African Americans and Latinos, leaving them to languish in jail for months before they even go to trial. Oftentimes they will plead guilty, even if they're not guilty, just to get out of that county jail. The worst jail to be in is the county jail. I know that because as chair of the Board of Innocence Project for the last 14 years, I personally got to know somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 people who were wrongfully convicted. It's amazing how some of them would say they committed the crime. Oftentimes because they wanted to get out of that county jail. In Harris County, a young, bright lawyer with a grant from the Harvard Law School Foundation for $250,000. He and his law partner, colleague, classmate, went around the country, mainly the South, looking for wrongs that they could make right. They filed a lawsuit challenging the money bail system in Harris County. A well-respected, thoughtful, rational, Republican federal judge the presiding judge of this region, Judge Lee Rosenthal, ruled that the Harris County bail system is unconstitutional. It violates the Equal Protection Clause. It's a real simple concept. The decision ought to be determined on the basis of are you a threat to society or to yourself? You can't have a system where Rodney today is accused of a crime. And because this Rodney has money, he can post bail and get out. But Rodney in Sunnyside didn't have money and he would stay in. It's the same, Rodney. That violates the Equal Protection Clause of the United States Constitution. If the Founding Fathers didn't mean it, they shouldn't have said it. And they certainly shouldn't have written it. They shouldn't have enshrined it in the Constitution of the United States of America. That's what bail reform is all about. In this county, my colleagues are convinced that they ought to defend an indefensible system, dragging this out in court. A couple of young lawyers with pro bono attorneys, including a prominent firm here, have taken on this issue in Harris County. Pro bono, for free. Harris County spent $5 million so far fighting what's considered injunctive relief. 
before you get to the trial on its merits. As a county commissioner, I've been very outspoken as a critic of this system. And I see I paid a price for it. I was joking this morning, I was riding my bike. My staff member said for me to go out there riding alone. They said, we're afraid you get run down. They don't figure out who did it. Uh, you know, we wanna, we wanna watch you. But let me tell you, if I had to start my term over again, I'd take the very same position that I've taken so far because it's the right thing to do. It's past time for Harris County to settle that lawsuit. If the plaintiffs win, it'll set the standard for the rest of the state. And that really is so important. Now, other reforms that are needed as well. We, we're real proud that we have a public defender's office now in Harris County. It handles 10% of the cases. 90% of the cases are still handled, criminal cases, by a lawyer picked by the judge. And their job is normally to convince the person who's been accused of a crime to say you're guilty, to move it along. I'm sure at some point people are gonna look back at us and say in the year 2017, what were we thinking? What were we doing? And how could we tolerate it? We need to build trust between the minority communities and law enforcement. Right now, Latinos and African Americans are two to three times more likely to be killed by police than whites. Police need to be held accountable when they use excessive force. We need to stop criminalizing being a minority. We need to stop criminalizing being young. And we need to stop criminalizing being poor. That's the only way that we're gonna shut down the cradle to prison pipeline in this country. Now that is not to say we're not making progress. But I wanna tell you in the year of our Lord 2017, we have waited long enough. This system ought to be cleaned up and it ought to be cleaned up now. Sometimes people ask me, why are you in such a hurry? is because I'm 63. <laughs> and I want to see it in my lifetime. Yes. Last point I want to make. I am just so proud of Mr. Kaepernick yes. and those other athletes for kneeling to stand up to help put this issue back on the front burner. And I am convinced because deep down inside, I believe there is a God yeah. that it is gonna have an impact. Yeah. Again, I wanna say, Kathy, to you and our distinguished guests from a great Francophone country, how proud I am of you and how proud I am of Rothko Chapel for keeping this fight alive. Thank you very much. Mr. Ellis, thank you for those inspiring words. Uh, you're speaking about a theme that is going to be recurring here today. Uh, it takes many guises, but I think we're all involved here in the fight to give voice to people who do not have their own voice. Today's particular focus is on incarceration, and there are few people who have fewer rights 
and to have fewer opportunities to, uh, to let the voices be heard than the incarcerated. So thank you for being their champion. And we're going to be speaking about other champions of, of the incarcerated as well today. So very much appreciate your words. So I'm, I'm Christopher Rothko. I am the uh, chair of the Rothko Chapel Board. And I welcome you all here today. Uh, this is really, uh, to my mind, uh, the most important, important uh, part of the year uh, when we celebrate the uh, Oscar Romero Award and uh, really make sure that we are connecting in the most direct possible way with the mission of this chapel and the people who carry it out every day and I hope inspire all of us to do so as well. I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, the history of the award uh, before then uh, introducing our two awardees. So, born in response to the turbulent and violent times of the 1980s, and this was particularly true in Central America, the Oscar Romero Award is the most significant way the Rothko Chapel recognizes those who use peaceful means to fight for justice, often in the darkest places. It's created in 1986 to commemorate Archbishop Oscar Romero and his sacrifice for speaking out against the forces of oppression. This award holds up his example for all to emulate, one of great courage and dedication as an unbowed champion of the less fortunate. Assassinated while offering the Mass in San Salvador, El Salvador, Romero has remained undaunted by intimidation as he advocated tirelessly for the victims of brutality. This steadfastness in the face of, a, of opposition and danger has become a hallmark of our awardees. Dominique, Dominique de Manil, the founder of the award, and with her husband Jean, the founder of the Rothko Chapel, was very succinct when she stated the award's purpose. And she said, it is given for truth and freedom. They imply justice and peace. These are indeed timeless principles that continue to guide our selection. Although the Oscar Romero Award is named after a Catholic priest from a particular place, responding to specific issues in his country, his story and martyrdom transcends the particular and speaks the truth that is for all time and for all people. He is a universal hero and a prophetic voice. It is in this spirit that the award bears his name. Archbishop Romero's example continues to inspire today as his struggle remains all too relevant and familiar. For more than 30 years, the Rothko Chapel has honored those who protect the weak, succor the needy, and those who struggle against the forces of greed and power for its own sake. Our 19 awardees have come from Latin America, the Near East, North and Central Africa, Europe, and yes, the United States. Our focus for the 2017 award has been the many social, political, and psychological wrongs stemming from mass incarceration. Mass incarceration is a scourge that reflects even larger systemic problems, but one which also generates a cascade of social ills, both for those detained and for the families and communities 
that rely on them. This year, we explicitly acknowledge the critical work being done both in places far from our doorsteps and also right outside them. We celebrate today the efforts of two awardees working in opposite sides of the globe and with entirely different populations, but with the same spirit and commitment to help those behind bars. We honor Pierre Clave Mbonipa, who advocates on behalf of the unnumbered scores of political prisoners in Burundi, and also Catherine Griffin Grignan, who helps the all too numerous victims of human trafficking find new pathways here in Houston. These two awardees embody dedication and perseverance. They have responded to critical needs with action, creating their own organizations to serve those with no voice. They have brought attention to critical problems while directly helping many individuals. So I will now first introduce Mr. Mbenimpa, and when he has finished his remarks, I will then return to the podium and introduce uh, Ms. Griffin Grignan. Pierre Clave Mbenipa is the Executive Director of the Association for the Protection of Prisoners and Human Rights, APRODA, an organization that documents and reports on human rights, human rights violations, with an emphasis on those committed against incarcerated peoples. With a staff of roughly 48, some of whom are former political prisoners themselves, APRODA provides legal advice and judicial accompaniment, monitors prisons and jails, fights against torture and sexual violence, and publicly and vocally condemns human rights violations regardless of who commits them. APRODA is one of the most vocal and effective human rights organizations in Burundi, and one that constantly pushes back against government attempts to narrow democratic space and freedoms of speech and association. Mr. Mbunipa is rightfully referred to as the grandfather of Burundi's human rights movement. APRODA's work has been critical during the alarming insecurity and violence that has spread in Burundi over the last several years surrounding the elections that brought President Nkurunziza a third term. Social upheaval has been met with brutal suppression by the government, while opposition militias have continued to sow new violence. Mr. Mbonipa was one of the few activists who, despite the country's insecurity, not only remained in the capital while possible, but also continued to denounce human rights, the human rights violations, and the harassment of human rights defenders. He took a leading role in documenting abuses, especially when protests were met with violent force. At times, he even mediated between crowds and the police and military, including two occasions when he successfully intervened with police to stop them from shooting at protesters. Mr. Mbunipa has done this work at great personal risk, having lost close family members and having been shot himself by an unidentified gunman. He has remained a passionate advocate for human rights, even in the face of these direct attacks on his personal safety and those of his loved ones. Mr. Mbunipa, we salute your bravery and commitment to the rule of law and the protection of human rights. And we are very proud to award you the Oscar Romero 2017 award from the Rothko Chapel.
avant d'aller mon discours, je suis très, très ému. D'abord, je suis très, très content. First of all, I would like to say I'm very happy. Parce que ici dans la salle, that I'm here in this hall, je suis même soutenu I'm par euh, mes compatriotes. That you to talk about my Burundi. fight in Burundi. Chose que je n'y attendais pas. Je ne savais pas si Emma Austin qu'il y a des Burundais comme les Burundais que j'ai vus ici. Burundi, Et d'ailleurs, à mon honneur, fought. je leur demanderai de se lever et saluer l'assistance. Et moi, je ne les connaissais pas. Il y a ceux que je connais, d'autres que je ne connaissais pas. Ce qui m'a fait étonner, il y a un qui m'a dit que j'ai dû passer 40 et 46 ans ici à Houston. Mais il m'a reconnu, il m'a salué avec gentillesse. Voilà, ça c'est le soutien. Les doigts de l'homme. Voilà qu'aujourd'hui, avant j'étais assis, et maintenant je suis debout. About human rights, earlier I was sitting down, and now here I am standing up. To say this word. In English. In English. Still standing. And I'm still standing. Peut-être que vous allez vous demander pourquoi je dis ces, ces deux mots, rester debout, still standing. Maybe you're going to ask me why I keep mentioning standing up or remaining standing up. En fait, il y a un journaliste qui a écrit un livre sur moi. Actually, that's a journalist who had written a book about me. Le titre de But to find livre, the title of this book, It was very difficult to find the right title for the book. On avait fait une retraite de 20 jours. So we had to finish it in 20 days. Alors il m'a posé beaucoup de questions, de questions. He, he, he asked me a lot of questions to be able to complete it. Et après il est arrivé à un moment où il m'a posé des questions. At a certain moment of time he started asking me certain questions qui m'étaient difficiles à répondre. J'ai passé quelques minutes à réfléchir. I had to spend many, lot, long time about it. Et, et après, j'ai réfléchi et j'ai dit, messieurs les journalistes, restons debout, continuons. And I said, Mr. Journalist, let's stay up, standing up, and let's continue what we're doing. Et voilà, quand il a sorti le livre, il a mis le, euh, le titre du livre, 
still standing. That's why we, how we chose the title of the book to stay up upright. Pourquoi ce titre On reste toujours debout pour défendre les droits de l'homme. Because we always stay upright to be able to defend human rights. We cannot defend human rights while remaining seated. So that's the story behind the book uh, Staying Upright. I want to tell you that this book is being sold at $20. So all the Alors, je vais aller sur le but de mon sujet, mon nom de circonstances d'aujourd'hui. Vous voyez, franchement, je suis très content d'être devant un public pareil. Je suis habitué, ce n'est pas la première fois. Mais surtout, je dis que je suis très, très gâté par surtout. But I have to say that I have been quite spoiled here in the United States of America. Parce que ça fait la troisième fois que je viens aux États-Unis d'Amérique. And this is the third time I visit the United States of America, but this is different. Le prix que j'ai reçu en 2016, c'était le prix Henry Stone de Forge, de Human Rights Watch. And I have received a prize previously in 2016, the Alison Ford Prize by Humana. And I received a second prize in October 18th um, uh, at New York, in New York. Voilà this is the medallion I received in New York. Et voilà c'est le troisième prix Oscar Romero. And today is my third award, uh, Oscar Romero Award that I've received. Monsieur le Président de l'administration, Monsieur le Président du Conseil d'administration de la Chapelle Rothko. Dear President of the Administration Board of Rothko Chapel. Monsieur le Directeur Exécutif. Dear Executive Director. 
Madame la directrice des programmes et de l'engagement communautaire. Dear director of programs and of civic engagement. Auguste Assemblée. Honorable attendees. À ce moment précieux et solennel, à cet espace sacré et méditatif, permettez-nous de présenter l'Assemblée ici présente au nom de nombreux Burundais défenseurs des droits humains et tout particulièrement au nom des membres de l'Association burundaise de la protection des droits humains des personnes détenues à Port-de-Hache, ainsi qu'à notre propre nom, nos cordiales et chaleureuses salutations. In this precious and solemn moment, in this holy sanctuary of meditation, please allow me to present to all of you, honorable attendees, our warmest and friendliest greetings in the name of the many Burundese defenders of human rights and especially in the name of the members of the Burundese Association for the Protection of Prisoners and Human Rights Abroad, and in my name as well. C'est avec grand plaisir, mais également avec agréable surprise et émotion que nous avons reçu la correspondance émanant de la direction du prix Oscar Otko, nous informant de notre sélection au dix prix. Édition 2017. En substance, l'invitation qui nous a été adressée est libérée en ces termes que vous me permettez de prendre ici. Au nom des membres du conseil d'administration de la chapelle Autre, c'est avec grand plaisir que nous vous écrivons en fait de vous informer que vous avez été sélectionné pour recevoir le prix Oscar Romero 2017 de la chapelle Autre. En vous choisissant pour recevoir ce prix, nous voulons reconnaître votre engagement en faveur des droits de l'homme et votre travail dans l'Association Burundaise pour la protection des droits humains et des personnes détenues à port de It was with great pleasure and no small surprise that we received the correspondence sent to us by the management of the Oscar Romero Award, thereby informing us that they had selected us for the aforementioned award in the year 2017. Please allow me to read the terms of the invitation as it had been expressed to me now. Um, in the name of the Rothko Chapel's administration board, it is with great pleasure that we write to you to inform you that you have been selected to receive Rothko Chapel's award Romero, um, Oscar, um, Rothko Chapel's Oscar Romero Award 2017. By choosing you to receive this award, we wanted to recognize your engagement in human rights activities and your work with the Burundese Association for the Protection of Prisoners and Human Rights, APROD. Nous avons appris que le prix Oscar Romero a été institué il y a un peu plus de 30 ans et qu'il est décerné semestriellement aux personnes à travers le monde qui risquent leur vie sur le champ de la défense des droits humains. Nous sommes aujourd'hui ravis d'être rangé parmi ceux-là 
et voulons nous associer aux défenseurs des droits humains dans le monde pour rendre en vibrant hommage à feu archevêque Oscar Romero de San Salvador, dont les œuvres en faveur des vulnérables ont inspiré l'institution du prix qui porte son célèbre nom et qui nous donne l'occasion d'être devant cette auguste assemblée à ce moment particulier. Um, we learned that the Oscar Romero Award had been established over 30 years ago and that it is given regularly to people around the world who risk their life in defense of human rights. We are delighted to be counted amongst them and we would like to join all the defenders of human rights in the world to salute the late Archbishop Oscar Romero of San Salvador, whose work to help the vulnerable population was the, inspiring, uh, the inspiration for establishing the award that bears his name and which has given us the opportunity to be present among these honorable attendees at this moment. Nous devons tous reconnaître qu'il n'existe pas de métier sans risque et même que le risque est couru de niveaux différents. La carrière de défenseur des droits humains que nous avons choisi, bien exaltante, est devenue aujourd'hui une carrière à haut risque. Je dirais même, au même titre que la carrière des combattants armés. Um, we all acknowledge that there is no line of work devoid of risk and that it may be encountered on more than one level. The career I have chosen as a human rights defender, though exhilarating, has become today a high-risk career, closely akin to that of soldiers in the armed forces. Il y a 22 ans, nous sortions de la grande prison de Bojumboa après des années de détention. Les mauvais traitements que mes co-détenus et moi-même y avons subi devait nous motiver à réfléchir comment changer la situation. Ainsi, aidés par d'autres amis sensibilisés au problème, nous avons mis sur les pieds une organisation que nous avons dénommée Association pour la protection des droits humains des personnes détenues à Podéach. 22 years ago, we were freed from the Bujumbura's great prison after two years of incarceration. The ill treatment that my fellow prisoners and I were subjected to had given us much to think about on how to bring about change. With the help of friends who were made aware of the problem and who took interest in the problem, we therefore established an organization that we had christened the Association for the Protection of Prisoners and Human Rights, APROD. Depuis l'agrément de notre association en 2001, Nous nous attelons aux activités diverses dans le domaine de la protection et de la promotion des droits humains en général, avec un regard particulier aux personnes privées de liberté, communément appelées prisonniers. Um, since the establishment of our association in 2001, we have been working hard on the many aspects of the mission to protect and uphold the rights of humans in general and that of people deprived of their freedom and commonly called prisoners in particular.
Les principales activités que nous avons réalisées durant les 17 années dans notre existence sont notamment le monitoring des droits humains dans le pays et dans les lieux de détention, la vulgarisation des instruments nationaux et internationaux relatifs aux droits de l'homme au sein de la population et des structures étatiques, la lutte contre la torture, les violences sexuelles ainsi que les violences basées sur le genre, le plaidoyer et l'assistance juridique en faveur des vulnérables et des victimes de graves violations des droits humains, l'assistance judiciaire qui consiste à la prise en charge des services d'un conseil avocat pour les personnes les plus nécessitées en donnant priorité aux détenus. The main activities that we had undertaken during the 17 years of its existence are as follows. Monitoring of human rights in the country and in the prisons, putting the usage of national and international tools for human rights within the reach of everyone in the population and in the state structures, the fight against torture, sexual violence, as well as gender-based violence, advocacy work and legal assistance to the vulnerable and the victims of serious human rights violations, judicial assistance in the form of taking charge of the services of an attorney for indigent people needing them with top priority given to prisoners. La dénonciation des injustices et des cas graves et des violations des droits humains, notamment par les pouvoirs publics, toujours a été notre cheval de bataille. Cela nous a coûté 140 jours de prison au cours de l'année 2014 et en attendant à notre vie le 3 août 2015 et autre chose, notamment l'assassinat de mon fils et l'assassinat de mon bon-fils. Our main focus has always been denouncing injustice and all the serious cases of human rights violation by governmental forces, which has cost us 140 days in prison during the year 2014 and an assassination attempt on myself August the 3rd, 2015, and the assassination of my son and of my son-in-law as well. Ce soir-là, alors que nous entrions de service, nous avons été attaqués et fusillés à bout portant par un homme qui a été identifié comme un agent du service national de renseignement et certainement mandaté par nous, pour, nous faire, pour nous faire taire définitivement. Dieu seul nous a sauvés car recevoir une balle au niveau de la tête et s'en sortir ne peut relever que du miracle. Um, on that night, on our, on our way back from service work, we were attacked and shot point blank by a man who was later identified as an agent of the National Intelligence Services, whose mission was to silence us permanently. We survived by the grace of God for receiving a bullet in the head 
and yet remaining alive is nothing short of a miracle. Nous vivons actuellement à Bruxelles, où nous avons été évacués après la tentative d'assassinat pour des soins spécialisés, et à partir d'où nous poursuivons notre élite pour les droits humains au Burundi. We, we currently live in Brussels, in Belgium, to where we were evacuated after the assassination attempt to receive specialized medical care and from whence we can carry on our fight for human rights in Burundi. Une dizaine d'organisations de la société civile, surtout celles impliquées dans la défense des droits humains, dont la nôtre, ont été radiées ou suspendues. Des avocats et des dirigeants d'associations de la société civile ont été contrés à l'exil. Plus d'un millier de Burundais ont été tués. Je voudrais qu'aujourd'hui, nous avons compté plus de 2000 personnes. Ce sont les 2000 personnes que mon organisation a déjà compté. D'autres sont portées disparues. Il y a une organisation qui travaille sur les disparitions. Nous comptons au moins plus de 100 personnes qui ont été disparues. Nous comptons plus de 26 fosses communes dont nous ne savons pas combien de gens ont été enterrés dans ces fosses communes. Plus de 450 000 vivent la précarité dans le cadre de réfugiés des pays limitrophes et plus de 4 000 détenus sont des prisonniers à caractère politique et quatre stations de radio ou télévision privée ont été interdites de fonctionner et les uns ont été même incendiés. Nobody is oblivious of the context in which Burundi's human rights workers live in, especially since the socio-political crisis that was set off on April the 25th, 2015. A suppression was conducted against all the organizations that stood up to denounce Pierre Nkurunziza when he started his third unconstitutional term. Consequently, a dozen civic organizations involved in defending human rights, including ours, were summarily stricken off or suspended. The leaders of civic associations and attorneys were forced into exile. Over a thousand Burundis were killed, and actually now we believe that this, has, this number has reached 2,000. Uh, many others have disappeared. Uh, we, we estimate that at least 100 persons per day, per day who are disappeared. Uh, we don't know where they are, we don't know where they've been taken, uh, if they've been buried in mass graves. Many others have disappeared and over 450,000 live in extreme poverty in refugee camps and adjacent country, countries. Over 4,000 uh, were incarcerated and four private radio and TV stations were forbidden to operate. In short, mm -hmm. le prix qui est décerné aujourd'hui 
à, à ressortir ça d'un petit pays de l'Afrique centrale en crise et donc en honneur non seulement pour notre propre personne, mais aussi et surtout pour mon organisation ProDH, à la tête de laquelle nous évoluons, et pour le Burundi tout entier. So, um, in short, all the fundamental rights and liberties of human beings were affected and still are being violated to this day. The award being given today to a national of a small Central African country in a state of crisis is therefore an honor not just for us, but mainly for the association APROD H, which we led and for all of Burundi. Je dirais même que c'est un message fort de soutien et d'encouragement pour nous qui venons de réaliser que le combat que nous menons pour la promotion des droits, de droits humains dans notre pays produit des échos au-delà des frontières du Burundi et dans la sous-région jusque dans les grandes nations du monde comme les États-Unis d'Amérique. C'est un geste magnanime de reconnaissance et d'encouragement pour nous et nos collègues de français des droits humains au Burundi à continuer à travailler avec abnégation et détermination et à naviguer même contre vases et marais jusqu'à l'édification d'un état de droit au Burundi. It is a powerful message of support and of encouragement for us to realize that the fight that we conduct to uphold human rights in our country has found a response far beyond its borders and its sphere, all the way to the great nations of the world like the United States of America. It is a noble action of recognition and of encouragement for us and our fellow defenders of human rights in Burundi, so we may carry on our selfless and determined work and to push on through traps and snares until we are finally able to establish a rights-based state in Burundi. Monsieur le Président, nous nous avons dit au pas ne pas rendre hommage à nos prédécesseurs, lauréats du prix Oscar Romero. Nous voudrions citer ici Nassar du Tour de l'Algérie en 2012, Blanca Velazasque du Mexique en 2013, Berta Caceres et Miriam Miranda de Honduras en 2015. Mr. President, we would be remiss to not pay tribute to past recipients of the Oscar Romero Award. We would like to name first Nasira Dutour, Nasira Dutour of Algeria in 2012, Blanca Velasquez of Mexico in 2013, Berta Caceres and Miriam Miranda of Honduras in 2015. À cette occasion unique pour l'année 2017, 
nous saisissons l'occasion d'exprimer notre profonde gratitude au Conseil d'administration pour nous avoir sélectionné sans que nous ayons posé la moindre candidature. Merci infiniment pour l'accueil qui, jusqu'à ce jour, nous a été réservé. Nos remerciements s'adressent ensuite à toutes les organisations internationales et burundaises et partenaires. Ici, quand je dis les organisations internationales, je serai ingrat si je ne cite pas le Fonds mondial pour les droits humains dont vous avez vu Tony Tate ici devant vous. Et qui de près ou de loin ne cesse de nous prêter main forte dans l'accomplissement de notre mission, puisse ce prix contribuer à éveiller la conscience du respect de la dignité humaine au Burundi, en Afrique et dans le monde. En cette unique opportunité pour le 2017, We would like to use it to express our deep gratitude to the administration board for having chosen us even though we had not applied for consideration. I am eternally grateful for the ongoing welcoming warmth with which we are being offered. Next, we would like to thank all the close and far international and Burundese partner organizations who have never ceased supporting us in the undertaking of our mission. May this award contribute to awakening the awareness for the respect of human rights and dignity in Burundi, in Africa, and in the world. au programme de la chapelle Rotko, qu'elle soit promis par tout le respect des droits humains, que l'Éternel soit avec nous tous. Et d'ailleurs, nous sommes dans une chapelle. Mais avant de dire merci, je voudrais vous demander de donner seulement une seule minute à mémoire de l'archevêque qui a fondé qui a fondé le chapelle, le prix rétro, dont le conseil d'administration préside aujourd'hui. Parce qu'il a fait beaucoup de choses. Je l'ai vu sur la photo, je l'ai lu dans des journaux de longtemps. Alors, partir, ça rendre hommage à lui, ça serait une ingratitude. Je vous demande. Wishing you full success to all the Rothko Chapel's programs. May the respect for human rights be upheld all over the land. May the eternal Lord be with us all. We are, after all, in a chapel. And before I say thank you to all, I would like to ask you for one minute, one minute during which we can remember the Archbishop Um, whose name uh, is uh, given to the award for all he has accomplished. And I have been reading about him over the years, um, the newspapers and, 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 and memoirs about what was written about him and all his uh, accomplishment. And for that, I would like to ask you all to um, 
wait and, and stand one minute in remembrance, remembrance of, of him. Thank you very much. Stay debout, still standing, Thank but sit much. down. Keep standing, but please sit down. But thank you. It would be hard to imagine a more worthy recipient of this award. And uh, you inspire us. And I hope that in turn this award may inspire you in, in your work. It's now my privilege to introduce our second awardee. Catherine Griffin Grignan. I, I, think, I think my words are really beside the point at this point. Uh, <laughs> this is all about people who affect other people's lives and make changes. I, I think we have uh, some voices that are speaking to that, yes. So, Catherine Griffin Grignan boldly charted her own course back from a life of drug addiction and prostitution, taking full advantage of Harris County Court's brand new fledgling star program, the Success Through Addiction Recovery Program, and she was in turn inspired to help others. Today she has become a nationally recognized advocate for the creation of rehabilitation programs in place of incarceration programs, acting on a local, state, and national level. Griffin Grignan began her Been There, Done That re rehabilitation program in Houston area outreach centers but in 2013, she successfully lobbied the, Houston I mean, sorry, the Texas legislature to pass laws that created separate prostitution courts with the focus on rehabilitation. It has now become a model for other cities, and I, I have personal experience with this because my wife is an attorney in New York who practices in these very courts in, in this New York City. Her reentry program now functions within the Harris County Jail System, helping dozens of women get out of the closed-looped carousel of drug and prostitution arrests 
and restart their lives. It too has become a model for programs around the state and across the country. Been There, Done That works to rehabilitate, rehabilitate victims of human trafficking, helping them break free from their traffickers and a life of prostitution. Just as critically, her programs emphasize retraining, working to give the victims the confidence and skills necessary to succeed in the community. Griffin Grignan is also program coordinator for Our Road to Freedom, a recovery project that functions in the Texas Department of Corrections Plain State Jail. As a recovery and life coach, Griffin Grignan has emphasized the need to ask the tough, personal questions so that trafficking victims can be identified and work through their histories of abuse, sexual trauma, and rape. She works with the courts, the correction systems, even the airlines, teaching others to recognize the markers of sex trafficking. Griffin Grignan asks, acts as a strong public advocate on behalf of the incarcerated and the victims of sex trafficking. She speaks frequently, and I might add, passionately, <laughs> on these topics at conferences, on radio and on and television. She hosted the prison show on Pacifica Radio and was the host of her own television program, Invisible in Plain Sight, which explored the plight of sex-trafficked women in America. Of all Griffin Grignan's accomplishments, however, I do have a personal favorite. When she brought Been There, Done That to the, into the correction system, she became the first felon hired by the Harris County Sheriff's Office. Now, in, com in comparison to her lobbying work and her work on nas with national organizations and with the Texas legislature, this may seem like a small accomplishment, but in fact, it's really a game changer. Yes, it is, isn't it? Because what, what is it? It's, it's really a very concrete sign of movement in the way that we as a society think and talk about and treat the incarcerated. And that change is in no small part due to the determined work of Catherine Griffin Grignan. Catherine? So pretty. <laughs> First, giving honor to God Almighty and allowing us to be in this awesome chapel Amen. of spirituality and peace yes. to our chairman of the board and this awesome board, Ashley, for those pancakes at Breakfast Club. <laughs> with burnt bacon, my awesome husband, Jose Grignan, my awesome, patient, understanding, not micromanaging, but allowing me the space to do the work that God has 
implanted into my DNA, Constable Allen Rosen. Stand up, boss! Stand up, boss! Y'all clap for my boss! Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee and Tanya, who have been there for me from day one, I have to give honor to the Honorable Peter Hoyt Brown, who empowered me at the beginning, along with Judge Zanetta Bernie, and I got this, I, okay, I'm gonna get shot right now, so y'all might take cover, but I, he is my brother, even though it's from another mother, and I have a couple of other brothers in here who I stole their mothers, <laughs> but Mark Melcher, can you stand up? Mark Melcher, the awesome son of Ann Slumberjay, who is related to Miss Demonil and that lineage and his awesome other half there. Mark, thank you for all those phone calls and those meals and teaching me how to eat in high class places. <laughs> because since I've been with this Rothko Chapel, it's been, we've been picking in high cotton, <laughs> stuff that I can't pronounce on the menu. I think my brother Nathan is here. Kirk, I think you're here. Kirk, Nate, y'all here? Nate, stand up. Kirk, that, y'all watch Fox 26, he's on there. If you get sick, Kirk Williams is the emergency room physician, he can fix it up for you. But, and all of the people, my sister Vernita, Professor Hare, I, I can't, I just can go down the line. I just wanna thank all of you, but most importantly, you need to see the lives that have been changed through what God has blessed me with in this room today. Everybody associated with me and been there, done that, stand on your feet and let everybody see how awesome you are. And I couldn't have done this work without People that met me and they were like, hmm, well, okay. But this one lady, oh my God, she finally got used to me and she gets it. And wait a minute, I'm getting to you, Kim Reed. I got you. Because you a whole nother subject. <laughs> but you all need to meet Nadine Scamp, the CEO of Santa Maria Hostel, who allowed me to umbrella under the agency and so many thousands of women have been able to come there and they've opened it up to me as their home so that the work that I do, I'm able to umbrella and go in there and do everything and plant the seeds that God put in me. Nadine, can you stand please? And just imagine this. This is where Kim comes into play. Let me explain something to you. Imagine you leaving here tonight. And you're going where? Home. What about those who don't have a home to go to? Yeah. You can do all the rehabilitating that you, tomorrow, Belle, I did not forget you, and oh my God, Mrs. Leland, my hero, Shiro, are you kidding? But. If you have nowhere to lay your head, 
when you leave anywhere, rehabilitation, you gotta understand, the word rehabilitation means to rank, to restore, to privileges, privileges, and civil rights, meaning mother, sister, brother, father, aunt, grandparent, friend, all of those are important ranks. And with these ranks brings great privileges. So in order to be rehabilitated for real, we need beds. We need to have people that have somewhere to go that is safe, not having to worry about being sexually abused like the majority of all people who end up in some form of sex trafficking and prostitution. There's a feeling out there that prostitutes like to have sex, not true. Because hurt people hurt other people. And sick people make other people sick. And the very thing that damaged us, those of us who were children who were victims of sexual abuse and molestation and was kept in silence for fear that something really bad would happen to us, is the same thing that is happening to us that are still adult children because our childhood was stolen. So people don't quite understand why is she on those drugs? Why is she doing that? Why are we looking for love in all the wrong places? Because the people, a lot of them that we loved, allegedly were supposed to come from the right place. And when something happened to us, in the right place, we had no place. So we, we went after what hurt us the most. And it has kept us bruised and broken. But by the grace of God, all of the drug rehabilitation programs that I went through, people say, well, why was there so many? Because I wasn't allowed to address the things that kept me sick, the things that kept me hurting the things that kept me incarcerated before I ever entered into a jail or a penitentiary. And I am grateful that I have been incarcerated because if you think about some of the greatest people in the Bible, all went to jail. But, but they didn't have to keep going back. Looks like everybody went one, one time and that was a wrap. <laughs> so, I say this quite often. Kim Reed, can you stand, please, sir? Y'all give Kim a, a round of applause. Borders, builders without borders. Tirelessly, we are trying to get beds. He builds orphanages in Haiti and so much other work during the hurricane. Constable Rosen will tell you, we've partnered. All of that carpeting and this kind of flooring that's here, all of that stuff, and, and the ladies that come from, we've been there, done that. Getting on those trucks, hauling that heavy carpet out. I mean, teamwork. But what if there's no place to put it?
We don't have enough beds when we rescue those or when they get incarcerated. And it's important to have programs, believe it or not, inside because when I was inside, there were no programs that would help me to actually learn how to be rehabilitated for real. Because even if they do excellent, or let me say we do excellent, when we're incarcerated, soon as you get what they call an ATW, what is that called? All the way. When you smell that fresh air again, something happens to us. And we're so grateful that we're free, but it only lasts for a moment because we have not been trained how to re-enter re and, and to be able to function successfully in a society that we, we only know as dysfunctional. So we have to be met at that gate and placed in a, in a comfortable, safe surrounding that we can get all of our holistic needs met. That we can learn what it means to be restored. To understand if you felt like you never had a rank, just being a human being and having human rights is an honor and a privilege and a gift. And to understand how to grasp your your needs before your wants and understanding that there is a difference. Somebody's complaining I don't have any shoes to wear to this event. And then there's somebody who didn't have any feet to put any shoes on. To understand the difference in lust and love. Traffickers telling individuals that I love you, if you love me, you'll sell your body for me, and if you don't, I will kill your family, I will kill your children, I will destroy everything, and they don't love you. Because look at you, you've been to jail. Look at you, you're a prostitute. Look at you, you're uneducated, as one of my clients says. You don't even have a DEG. That's Lisa Riles, y'all. <laughs> You gotta have humor in this stuff, people. Miss <laughs> Burr has come in there. I've got so many communi community partners that have come in that work with me because it does take a village. This is the first time in all these years that I've been doing this that I actually have a boss man who comes in and mingles with the survivors of sex trafficking and doesn't bring handcuffs. You don't understand for what they call an ex-con, and by the way, my name was 803-404-JC, because when I was incarcerated, they took my name and gave me a number. Somebody needs to add up those numbers and, and multiply that by one million, because that's how many souls before the casket drops on me, I plan to help rescue, restore, and get out of the sex industry. Mean it.
And there is one other seed that nobody knows about. Janice Weaver, I love you from the mayor's office. She's been by my side through it all. There was a seed planted when I came to Houston, Texas at the age of 16 to Texas Southern University and I met a man and he had a glow about it and he had the coolest little stride and walk and one thing that impressed me, he befriended me and never hit on me and I looked at his power and his leadership and in public he was just as, he was cooler than a popsicle. <laughs> and then I'd turn on the television and he would be there talking to worlds, different countries, all cultures. Allison, that was your husband, Mickey Leland. Awesome, man, I'm so honored I got to live in the same time and era with Mickey. And if he, and I, that's the very first political campaign I ever worked on, he had that little brick building right there. You know what I'm talking Yes, and Vertle Bennett. Come on, Vertle. Introduced me to Peter Brown, which Peter probably thought Vertle was on drugs. No. <laughs> that I met when I first went to Texas Southern University. And he's the one that took me there so I could learn how to be in the political room. So I didn't forget you, I had to say the best for last, dog. But I'm very grateful that all these years you've been by my side. You, I mean, I never could understand how you could be such a great photographer and you always told me you were legally blind. A blind number one photographer is like God sent to me. I love you, Vertle Bennett. And I gotta throw this piece in there too. Monsieur Pierre, y'all better get one of those books out there because it's gonna help feed those children because those children too are, are victims of sex trafficking in that country. And we, I don't care, we got to give back. I'm the kind of person, I'm honored about this, uh, this Oscar Romero Award because he was about the last, the lost and the left behind. I'm about the last, the lost, the left behind, the forgotten, and the ones that are resurrected. I wanna say, I don't wanna hold you all any, any longer, but for you to empower me with this great honor, and for me to meet a man of such great stature and his awesome wife doing this work around the world, Brother Chairman, Board, all of you, I just want to say thank you for giving me the strength to empower the, those others to know that it doesn't matter what or where you come from. Everybody, if you have breath, you have a chance. I want to be able to walk out in this city and in this nation and not have to go into a strip club and rescue another nine-year-old off the strip pole ever again. I'm tired of having to go to court with 
13, 14, 15, 16-year-old children that are being allowed to be dancing in adult sex clubs and, and, and entities and these brothels and these clubs and these, these social media chat sites and that it's okay. I know that there's those of you who thought it was okay to be in that industry because Television told you you're gonna get famous, you're gonna get rich, you're gonna find your prince in shining armor. It's all a lie. It's a lie. Had it not been for the woman, there would be no man. Stop letting men tell you that you're less than. Take back your power. Stay in a woman's place as a lady, but stand firm and tall and know that it's okay to say no and mean it. And understand that you get to your purpose through wisdom and education and understanding of what you're learning and have been through and have lived through. And understand that it's only you that has to flip the light switch on inside of you to know if you're breathing then you're awesome, you're beautiful, you're strong, Angela, you're great, and you have a chance no matter what you've been through. The past means past. We have right now, right now, appreciate it. Be willing to do your part. Ladies that have been through the program and men, I see you. Now they're gonna think, he, he gonna say, now they're gonna think I was a prostitute. Everybody got some of that in them. Don't feel bad, young man. I'm sorry, boss. But I cleaned it up, didn't I? Again, I just wanna say thank you all. This is an honor. I want to be able to give back to the fight for human rights, civil rights, and it is the right for us to get these children, to keep them from being as damaged as some of the ones that, that are in here today, because we're not damaged good. Because it don't stop this work. It don't stop till my casket drops. And I said I'd fight the Grim Reaper all the way. But God bless you, God bless this world and the United States of America. I love you, thank you. As we close this afternoon's program, 
I'm reminded again and again that the vocation of the Rothko Chapel is both contemplation and action. Pierre and Catherine, again, thank you so much for gracing us with your presence, for letting you be honored by this community, and for reminding us that our duty on earth, at the heart of our duty, is to be peacemakers and justice seekers that is captured in your story and your challenge to all of us, that peacemaking and justice work is not a passive endeavor, but one that should involve every cell of our body. As we leave here today, I'm also reminded that on this campus, as a testimony to that truth in Barnett Newman's iconic and living sculpture, The Broken Obelisk, dedicated to the life and living legacy of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. And I'm reminded that every time I go out of this sacred space of contemplation, I'm reminded of our call to action, which is on that plaza and in that pool, and that every day we're invited to make a difference in the world. I want to close this evening, this afternoon, with the words of Archbishop Oscar Romero. Peace is not the product of terror or fear. Peace is not the silence of cemeteries. Peace is not the silent result of violent repression. Peace is a generous, tranquil contribution of all to the good of all. Peace is dynamism. Peace is generosity. It is a right and it is a duty. Again, thank you all for being here and for lending your support to the ongoing efforts to promote human rights and justice wherever we may find ourselves. And as we leave this evening, I would like for you just to hold on for just a minute, let our guests exit through the side. We can be out on the plaza to greet you and continue the conversation. And then because we have so many people here and just respect for the artwork and all of us here for you to exit through the side doors. Again, thank you for coming and safe travels as you leave this place. Thank you.